Hello, and welcome to In Conversation With, The Lancet HIV's podcast. I'm the journal's editor, Peter Hayward, and in a moment I will be talking to Di Gibb, who's the PI of the Odyssey trial, based at the Medical Research Council Clinical Trials Unit at University College London, and to Anna Turkova, who's the trial paediatrician of the Odyssey trial, also based at the MRC CTU at UCL. And I'll be talking to them about their paper, which is reporting results from the Odyssey trial of Dolly Tegrevier for the treatment of children living with HIV, which is published in the August issue of the journal. Of course, we hope you're going to find all of the content in the issue interesting. But before we get to Anna and Di, I'd particularly like to draw your attention to a viewpoint from Gillian Pintai from the University of Washington and her colleagues from all around the world that looks at the problem of HIV acquisition by women during pregnancy or shortly after giving birth and the potential for pre-exposure prophylaxis to prevent this. Pintai, with colleagues from Kenya, South Africa, the USA, Zimbabwe, and from WHO, identifies gaps in the research and implementation that needs to be addressed to tackle this important maternal health issue. But now, let's find out a little bit more about the Odyssey trial. Hello there, Di. Hello there, Peter. Nice to be invited. Thank you. My pleasure. Glad to have you on. And hello, Anna. Hello, Peter. Thanks for inviting us. Well, thank you both so much for joining me today to talk about this really interesting study. So just as a bit of background, for as long as I've been working in the field of HIV, the lack of appropriate medicines for children has been a real concern, although it's also actually been often overlooked. Could you tell me a little bit now about the history of treatment for HIV in children and where we are currently um, with therapy in paediatric populations? Over to you, Di. Thank you, Peter. Well, you're absolutely right that in HIV, as well as in many other diseases in children, uh, the drugs and the licensing of those drugs and the formulations often lag woefully behind adults. And in HIV, one has to remember two things, I think. One is that children need treating for life and they should be started on treatment very early in life, there's no long, there isn't a cure, so they're continuing to take drugs for a lot longer than adults. And most infections now in children are in sub-Saharan Africa, and they're in settings where liquids, which have been a traditional way of giving drugs, so it's really difficult. So this was really recognised in the fairly early days, and actually There's now a community globally of paediatricians and there's WHO and there are some of the companies, Generic as well as Innovator, and uh, other groups like Unitaid and UNICEF, which have been very involved in trying to get appropriate formulations to children as well as drugs, but it still lags behind. And currently, actually, the main backbone drug that children are taking, lapinavir, ritonavir, which you've probably heard about more recently in relation to COVID-19, is, is a, for children is a really difficult drug to formulate. It's a liquid. Uh, they've now made some uh, baby pellets, but it's still a difficult drug to administer and it's not very well tolerated by children. And that's been one of the mainstays, particularly for younger children. So the advent of the integrase inhibitor class of drugs and Dolly Tegrevier in particular has um, really making a, a, a landmark change in the way that treatment might be given to 
adults and children because it can be well formulated into both adult formulations but also importantly into smaller children's formulations and ideally we want scored dispersable tablets and not too many formulations for children because that's uh, difficult for programs and the trial that uh, we will talk we talked about in this paper nested um, a way of looking at minimizing formulations for children and getting the data we need for uh, licensing it and hopefully will make a big difference to the way children can access treatment with HIV. That's great. And so, um, Anna, perhaps you could maybe talk a little bit more about dolutegravir. So certainly, as Di has touched on, dolutegravir has really sort of changed the landscape of treatment for HIV in adults. Do you think that dolutegravir has the potential to do the same for children? And how is the Odyssey trial looking into the application and use of dolutegravir in children? Thanks, Peter. Uh, this is a very important question. And um, the Odyssey trial, a large pediatric open-label randomized controlled trial, was set up to answer this question. So Odyssey is evaluating efficacy and safety of dolutegravir-based triple R and comparing it with standard of care in children starting first and or second line treatment across different settings. We enrolled over 700 children from Europe, Thailand and Sub-Saharan Africa, with the majority of children coming from African countries. And in the trial, we used WHO-adopted weight bands for antiretrovirals to ensure that the dosing used and the results of the trial are readily applicable to the settings where most children live with HIV. As I said already, that for the new treatment regimen to have a good potential, it needs to be not just efficacious and safe, but also practical to administer. I think Di has mentioned that the uh, pediatric market for antiretrovirals uh, is um, small and uh, fragmented, especially if you compare to the adult market. And for the drug to be made available and accessible widely for children, we need a minimal number of its formulations to be used across all weight bands. When we started Odyssey, and we started from children weighing 14 kilos and above, we had a problem with multiple formulations we had to use three different formulations to give the approved doses across the weight bands. And uh, one weight band uh, actually required two different dolutegravir formulations. So in addition, the approved doses for children at the time of the study were not harmonized between the main stringent regulatory authorities, uh, such as FDA and EMA. And therefore, we nested PK sub-studies in Odyssey to try to simplify dolutegravir dosing in children. So the approach uh, of, this of using simplified dosing has been achieved through a wide collaborative discussion with experts of pediatric antiretroviral working group and pediatric antiretroviral drug optimization groups, both led by WHO. And we actually, uh, on dolutegravir, also collaborated with American study, it's called IMPACT-PETA-93, which is mm -hmm. dolutegravir dose-finding study. 
and uh, uh, that helps us uh, to accelerate together with Viv Healthcare, who funded the trial and supplied the drugs. And we now, now submitted the data, and we can now say that actually we achieved that we can use two formulations across uh, all weight bands. One pediatric dispersible tablet formulation from four weeks and three kilos and up, and an adult tablet from 20 kilos and up. This paper is describing our PK sub-studies in children 20 kilos and above. So you've already touched on a little bit about some of the reasons why development of therapy for children has lagged behind that for adults. But I guess one of the issues is simply that studies in children are challenging. I wonder if maybe, Anna, you could talk a little bit about some of the challenges of doing a study like Odyssey. They, they are challenging. Um, we are pediatricians, we are doing pediatric trials, and our clinical trials, uh, clinical trial centers in different countries are really experts in doing this. We have been working with our partners over a quarter of a century, and the sites are trusted by their community. The PK sites have built up a huge amount of expertise, and they became really good in doing PK studies. They employ trained and experienced staff who insert cannulas, taking the blood tests. We are using local anesthetic cream where possible for cannula insertion to minimize pain. And once cannula is inserted, uh, the cannula is used for the blood samples to be taken throughout the day. And overall, a lot of work is done to ensure that the whole experience of the PK day is acceptable as possible and not unpleasant. The sites do communicate really clearly to parents what the study involves, and we also work very hard on our information sheets for parents, and we also produce separate ones for all the children. We currently, my colleagues in the CTU, are working on animations for kids uh, to explain better what actually PK studies involve, and those we will be using, uh, we will be using in subsequent studies. But um, uh, what um, else I have to say is that the parents, I think, are the best judges. What is the best interest of their kids? I think most parents are willing to take part if they see the benefit for their children uh, or other children with the same condition from the study. Interestingly, that quite a few children in Odyssey benefited from the result of the PK sub-studies because the doses of the trial in the trial for all children way change in the response to the PK study results. Yes, just to inter in, interject there, Peter, I mean, we had this adaptation within the trial and we were in a, an unusual situation because there was partial, as Anna has said, approval of these two at 10 and 25 milligrams they were uh, 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 pills that were not actually available in Africa where most children were but they were partially they were proved in some of it, the older children anyway already but were not available in Africa and it was totally impractical to have four different formulations across the age ranges so families also knew and were excited about dolitegravir I just wanted to add that so parents knew that it was coming that it was going to be good for them. They often didn't like giving their children lapinavir, ritonavir because it was difficult to give. So these yeah. were other reasons why I think families were 
keen to join or at least were very happy to join and some of them even had more than one PK day and the kids were likewise involved and in addition to what Anna said we we had a a youth trial board as well which was um, I think a bit of a first in terms of not having a a token young person on a trial steering committee but having a separate board who told us about things which were difficult for young people in those various countries. I think that's that's really interesting to get that feedback from this population in that way actually that's really really fascinating. In the Odyssey study in the study you weren't able to include some children who were taking drugs for other conditions if dolutegravir might have interacted with those drugs. Did that lead to the exclusion of a lot of children? And what were the most common conditions and drugs that led to exclusions? I, I think the good thing about dolutegravir that the clinically significant drug interactions are quite limited. So one important drug that we have to consider is rifampicin, uh, which is used for drug-sensitive TB. And uh, in actually in the main trial, we hardly excluded anyone, we, uh, we encouraged people with comorbidities and co-infections to join the trial. We encouraged children with TB to join the trial. We actually nested a TBPK, uh, which uh, uh, was presented this sub-study at the last CROI, and it showed that doubling of dolutegravir in children aged six years and above enabled to overcome rifampicin-inducing effect on uh-huh. hepatic enzymes, and it was safe. Uh, we are working currently on manuscript. There are certain anti-epileptic drugs like carbamazepine, phenytoin, phenobarbital. We need to know that we need to double dolutegravir uh, if, if the child is on these anti-epileptic drugs or they need to consider an alternative anti-epileptic option, for example, sodium valparate, uh, which also has got some PK interactions, but they're not clinically significant. So from the main trial, we hardly excluded anyone and uh, uh, for adults, for example, there are some antiarrhythmics, but they're not used in kids. So in fact, uh, in the main trial, there were ma- like very little exclusions. But uh-huh. in the PK sub-studies, because we really kind of have a, this purist approach, we did exclude a couple of kids. Uh, so children with uh, TB, they went into TB PK, so it's a separate sub-study. And uh, uh, one child, as far as I remember, on sodium valparate, uh, 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 sorry, their PK curve uh, was excluded. But overall, it's, it's, a, it's a good drug with uh, mi- minimal interactions, uh, like, you know, compared to, for example, the pinaviritonavir or some yeah. uh, early NLRTIs. Yeah, I guess that's, you know, one of the huge advantages of, of this drug, isn't it? So I guess... I mean, that's great. It's a lot of really interesting insight into Odyssey and into this PK substudy. Where does this leave us now in terms of treatment for children? Obviously, it seems like good news that you can simplify the number of tablets that uh, children might be, might be taking uh, and reduce, sort of simplify treatment for parents to administer and for children to take themselves. But yeah, so where are we now? And, and particularly, what about younger children? Yeah, Peter, um, I'll... I'll uh take first shot at answering your question. Thank you, Um, So basically this paper refers to the children over 20 kilos. Yeah. Um, So slightly older children. And in fact, those were the main children who enrolled in the main study, the first 700 children 
that Anna talked about, taking first line and second line. Now, the results of that study, the main study, will be out beginning of next year. It's just finishing right now, in fact. The last children are, are being followed for two years, um, where we'll know more about the efficacy and we'll know more about uh, longer term, um, any, any possible side effects, etc. This paper is focusing on the over 20 kilos. We did also enrol a group of younger children, nearly 100 of them, and they actually will be followed up also for 96 weeks, but their, their data will be a little um, behind the, the 700 when it comes out because they started a bit later. And uh, what we are doing with those data, which is quite interesting and novel, is we will be using some Bayesian methods to borrow data from the older children to inform the efficacy and safety of the younger children. I just wanted to mention that because people haven't done it very much. And I think it's an approach that we might want to, in the future, think about for pediatric trials, borrowing data from adult studies and doing more studies also with both adults and children in. Mm -hmm. The younger children, we did PK on, and that manuscript is also being prepared. And um, we've worked very closely with our American colleagues, the, the P1093 trial that Anna mentioned. And both trials have contributed data across the age groups for both the adult formulation, which was used in this paper, and the pediatric little five milligram dispersible tablet, which was partly in this paper, but also in the younger children, to submit to FDA and EMA, which is the European agency. FDA have given approval now, and so the whole thing will be much better harmonized. And I think that is in part due to the actors all working together. I think I just say one, one other thing, which I just wanted to point out. I mean, if, for many years, we've been looking at simpler ways of giving drugs to children and trying to make fixed-dose combination baby dispersible pills, often with the generics and already licensed drugs. But this is the, really the first time it's a, it's a new drug and uh, we've been able to nest this within the bigger trial. So I think that's really important. And actually, the blood results for the, this PK study and some of the younger kids came into the lab, I, I remember it well, because it was uh, just before Christmas, um, year before last, actually, and uh, results were available at the end of January, went to the various trial committees to share confidentially with WHO, and they moved very fast to change the guidelines so that countries could start ordering 50 milligram tablets in preparation to give them to children over 20 kilos which they're now able to do. As yeah. soon as FDA have licensed, they've been able to do it. And what's more, um, organizations like Unitaid have worked with the generics so that that can go immediately, and I think it's already gone, to the FDA to follow on once the five milligrams been licensed that they're going to have a generic baby pill as well, 10 milligrams scored. So hopefully this is all helping to really speed up the process which often lags behind adults in men for many years that's great to hear and uh yeah it really does uh talking to you it sort of reveals what a, an amazing sort of collaboration this is 
within this trial, but also different bits falling into place with other agencies and, and manufacturers and that sort of thing to ensure that, you know, the results can be acted on and improve lives for children with HIV as quickly as possible. Yeah, very much a collaborative effort. And I mean, um, actually, Vive Healthcare, you know, having got the drug licensed down to 15 kilos by the EMA, for example, and down to 30 kilos by the FDA, they went back and said, these are new data, these are, you know, better say what should be done, and, and it also harmonises and is good for children, carers, and programmes. So they came along with that very well, and with our American colleagues. It's great to hear. Thank you both, uh, Anna and Di, for joining us today and giving us your insights into this really interesting study. Oh, well, thank you very much, Peter. Thank you. Thank you, Peter and Di. Well, thanks once again to Anna and Di for joining us today. And thank you too for listening. If you found that interesting, I think you might also be interested in a review by Martina Penizzato from WHO and colleagues that was published in the September 2019 issue of The Lancet HIV. That review looked at prioritizing the most needed pediatric antiretroviral formulations. It does talk about more about the Odyssey trial and Anna was also an author on that review. Thank you once again for joining us and we hope you'll be back next month when we'll continue the conversation.